whenever you're ready. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How's it going, brother? Good, Jeremy. What's up? I'm surly today, man. <laughs> I don't have very many days that I just wake up grumpy, but I just woke up grumpy this morning. You know, you get into like fights with inanimate objects and like I'm yelling at the coffee scoop because it fell. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe this is what it's like when you get old. <laughs> I don't know. I've been this way since I was six. Oh, there you go. <laughs> No, it'll it'll be better. But uh, how are you doing today? Doing all right. I mean, you know, just another week. Yep. Just another week. Right on. I noticed uh, in my social media feeds that uh, Blade Show West is coming up in Salt Lake City. Really? What day? What's the date for that? Because I hadn't heard about this. It's uh, early October. Oh bummer! I um, I, I keep hearing people talk about different blade shows, and I know there's a there's a Twin Cities blade show coming up right away, and October thirteenth and fourteenth in Salt Lake City. Uh. And I don't know that I, even though we had planned on meeting at Blade Show, um, I don't know that that will ever happen now. Why is that? Well, it looks like a Blade Show. Mm-hmm. Let's see, where is it at? Where is it at? I just saw this thing. Okay, no, Blade West is moving to California. Uh, well, they have it in California sometimes. Well, in Long Beach, too. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, no, it was in Long Beach, and then in Portland, Oregon... Eh, it doesn't matter. Hmm. I probably wouldn't go that way anyway. Yeah. Because, uh... I don't know, though. The one time I went to Salt Lake City, I kind of enjoyed it. But that was a long time ago. Hmm. Yeah, I've driven through a lot and I've flown through a lot. I've never really spent any time there. Probably driven through it like 10 times. Flown through like 20, 30 times. It's funny, I I flew there during the winter Olympics when they were there and um, I was waiting in line at Starbucks and there's this guy, I forget which Norwegian or Swedish. It was, he was a, he was a, an Olympic athlete and he had his like official jacket on and stuff like this. And he was, he ordered before me and he got some fancy this, this, this drink. And then I went and ordered my black coffee and then they could just go get it. And then they give it to me and they put it on the counter and he came running in and grabbed it and goes, that's mine. And I was like, that, that's my coffee. That's mine. I said, this is my coffee. I ordered first. That's mine. And I said, they have to make your drink, idiot. He's like, that's mine. I was like, oh, he was acting, you know, like a little, little, like, uh, let's say seven or eight year old. That's like so worried about something getting taken from them. That's what this yeah. little, whatever, I think it was Sweden, but. Some little nincompoop. 
It's funny. But yeah. I don't. Well, now that you say something like that, I will tell you this. Um, when Starbucks were just rolling around, mm-hmm. um, where they would, you know, get popular, you go in and order it, you go down there and uh, pick it up. Yeah. I went into Starbucks with a buddy of mine. I don't like Starbucks. Generally, don't get anything in Starbucks. But my bud loves it. Loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. And I think the only reason he loves it is, one, he has no taste, and two, because um, his his girl loved it. Mm, yeah. And he really loves his girl. I mean, they you you just get diabetes watching them <laughs> look into each other's eyes. It's just it's, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> You're like one day life is just gonna slap both of you. I mean, I'm I'm just making light of it, people. I, I I look at people like that and I'm like, wow, they're so lucky. Yeah, yeah. That's um, funny. But anyway, well, he also uh, chews tobacco, dips, snuff, right? Okay. And he had his spit cup in his hand, which was <laughs> a Starbucks coffee cup. Yeah. And he, you know, ordered, she ordered, I ordered water and then moved down to the end. And they, he put a spit cup on the counter so he could hold her hand or something. I don't know. Hmm. And uh, somebody walked up and just grabbed a spit cup. No. And he's like, and I just, I held up my hand. Let this one go. Yeah. Oh, man. That's and, nasty. Yep, took a big old swig. <laughs> <laughs> that's disgusting. And he comes back and he's all mad. And I'm like, well, that's what a thief gets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. That's funny. That's crazy. And, man, when I was working the flight line, I saw so many people accidentally drink out of the wrong cup. It's not even funny. Ugh, that's gross. I'm like, that's why no matter, I'm the only one in the room I'm in. I made the coffee in this room. I poured it in this room. No one's been in this room. I look in that cup every time I pick it up. Yeah, yeah. It's a habit. Yeah. After so many years working with people who dip, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've worked with some guys who... So, dip, that's the fine stuff, or is that the stuff that comes in the pouch? Dip is the fine stuff. Okay. So, when I was working in Baltimore, there's a guy... And he had the coarse stuff that came in the pouch, like, uh, was it Beachman's? Yeah, chewing tobacco. And, man, he put a big old wad of that in his, like, in his cheeks. And, man, it, he, I thought he was spitting out a half a gallon with each, each spit that he did. Like, seriously, man. And he would do where we were working, and I'd be like, okay, listen. I said, you can't do this anymore. I said, like, we're laying out this conveyor line. We're going to be kneeling on the ground, and... I've been within two feet of a big, huge puddle of your spit on the floor. So you either spit in a container or like spit in the corner, like just, you know, right in the corner where the brick comes down to the ground. Go spit right there. I don't care, but not where I'm working. It was so gross. And in these things, were, it'd be like the size of a big pancake on the ground. I'm like, first of all, how do you get that much saliva in your mouth at one time? Oh, it's just crazy. And I cannot, you know, I think I, to this day, I think that anybody who spits on the floor 
like on the ground outside is one thing, mm-hmm. but on a floor, even in a construction site, on a floor, you're an animal. Yeah. You're, you're disgusting. You're no better than a goat that craps where it eats, you know? Yeah. You're, you're nasty. You're, ugh. Okay, so I got, this is a, you know when you're young and you're first working, you, you, you're crazy, right? Like I was a little bit reckless and dumb. Anyways, my good buddy, he was actually uh, the best man at my wedding. This this was like before I got married, but he had a really bad cold one day. And he was hucking loogies up. like, And I was working on the lathe, and he was working on the, the welding table. He's a welder. And it, it's funny because this actually happened in the shop that I am in now. But he'd come over to me, hey, Jer, how's it going? And and just dump them right at my feet. Like, he wouldn't spit on me, but he would leave this snot pile and i'm like stop it and i was getting old and we were working a night shift and he thought this was hilarious and he did it through three times and i said listen up if you do that one more time i'm gonna take a crap in your welding helmet and (laughs) comes over does it again so we go for our lunch break and i was civil i actually laid down toilet paper on a on a dustpan I pooped under the toilet paper and I just slid that into his welding helmet. <laughs> I was like, how mature, first of all. But we got back from our break and he, you, I will hear that yell in my chair. He yelled so loud, so loud. And I said, Doyle, I told you, if you spit on the floor one more time, I'm going to crap in your welding helmet. And I just did. And, uh, oh, he was mad at me. He wanted to take the rest of the night off. And I said, Doyle, you're going to have to just, all you got to do is slide it into the, into the toilet and flush. You're welcome. I could have actually just pooped right in your welding helmet, but I'm civil. But, yeah. And then I, even when I think back on that, I'm like, how could I even do that? Like, man, I, uh, you're willing to, to do stupid stuff and push things when you're young, I guess, because. The very thought of that now, even if someone bugged me and did that over and over, I would never actually lay a steamer in their helmet. <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> well, we're, we're different people as we get older. Yeah. You know, we're young. We're dealing with the young. Um, we're a little out of touch with reality. So are they, you yeah. know, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. And you got to make grandiose examples for a young person to understand. Yep. Sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. My, and then if you get a, you know, people that are, you know, you get uh, an alpha working with an alpha kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Know. Yeah, it can be I know troubles. I've seen it get to the point where it needed, um, you know, a good old-fashioned take him out back. Yeah, Because yeah. the guy was that thick-headed. Hmm. You just thought everything you did was so funny, and it wasn't. It hmm. was hurtful, disgusting, you know. Mm-hmm. And we would very often work incredibly hard for incredibly long hours. Um, you know, a plane's broken. You got to go fix it. You got to get the uh, sortie, you know, so you got to, it has to take off. So you're out there working your butt off, you know, six, seven hours. Then it flies a three or four hour sortie, but then when it comes back, you got to, you know, catch it and fix it or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So in that interim three hours, if you're not working on yet another airplane, you might take a quick nap. 
mm-hmm. or go eat or whatever. Um, and he would just he'd he'd go searching out somebody, resting their eyes or taking that, and he'd just shove his butt right on their face and fart. Oh yuck! And I've seen somebody just, um, well, hit him in the you know the man bits yeah. incredibly hard. Good. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And his, if I remember correctly, it was his girlfriend after he got divorced. He'd been dating her for like two years. She left him uh, and got a restraining order, and not for like abuse. His stupid practical jokes. But oh, wow. he would call practical jokes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> huh. You know, he, she had uh, her bathroom retiled. Right. Yeah. The you can at this point you can still walk on it, but it hasn't been sealed. Neither the grout nor the tile mm-hmm. has been sealed. So what does this genius do? Oh, I'm gonna play the saran wrap under the toilet bowl. Oh no. And, and so she went in and take a leak in the middle of the night, and it gets all over her unsealed grout. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, now it's got to be all redone. <clears throat> yeah. You know. Hmm. That's dumb. You know how unfunny and unfun you have to be for a woman to get a restraining order against your stupid practical joke? No kidding, eh? Uh, okay, huh. that in and of itself is funny still. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, and it's funny because the practical jokes can get carried away, especially you guys at work. Like, the older you get, the better it is because nobody gets too carried away. But when you're young, man, it's just like, pfft. and and it was, a lot of them are fun, right? Like when I worked at San Joe, my our foreman, so we had like I forget the exact way it worked. Basically, I had three bosses in the building at once. Once was like our team leader, and then the foreman, and then there was a the head of the shop, and our foreman was a great guy. He really liked me. I really liked him. We got along fantastic, but. He always thought it was funny to, if you left anything out on your toolbox, and most guys would eat lunch at their toolbox. You know, I had a big, nice, long snap-on toolbox with a stainless top, and then that the locker on the side, so my lunch was always in there. And then sometimes, you know, you're working, and if you've got like a, sometimes I had a bowl of nuts or something, and I'd just eat them while I was working or whatever. Some guys would have cookies, you just grab a cookie while you're working. And he thought it was so funny that he would always take stuff from people's toolbox if it was laying out. He wouldn't go snooping through, but Steph always made me cookies and I'd like have them for coffee break and I'd leave them out. I wouldn't put them away because I got this huge workbench and I uh, just whatever. And then he'd come by and take one and then he'd always walk by me and goes, oh, thanks for the cookie, Gertzy. <laughs> and he'd walk away and I'm like, it's starting to bug me because he was starting to do it more and more regularly to the point that he's like, oh, better do my cookie run. And he'd only ever take one. And I said, Ryan, stop taking my cookies. Like, I'm not bringing extras. And now I have less cookies. Like, I was planning on eating this many cookies through the day. And uh, he would keep doing it. I said, Ryan, I want you to stop. And so we had this, there's this hot sauce called The Source. And it was my lead guy that had it. And I said, hey, give me some of The Source. He goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to put some in this cookie. And he's like, okay. And so we would took this little chocolate chip cookie and I took a toothpick from the backside and kind of made a little hole. And this stuff, if you dip the tip of it into a a toothpick and put it on your tongue, like your eyes are watering and your face is turning red. Like it is potent. 
was it nine, 7.3 million Scoville units, I think, is the heat rating. And um, so I put a decent amount in this cookie. <laughs> hey, Gertie, thanks for the cookie. <laughs> he got halfway down the hall to his office and he started swearing. <laughs> you, what the beep, Gertie, you beepity beepity beep. Oh, he was in pain, man. He was in pain. And I went to him after, and I said, I told you to stop eating my cookies, and I wasn't joking. I said, that's not funny anymore. You're not taking my food anymore. And if you try it again, you might get that surprise. Oh, he was so mad at me. But he also thought it was funny, like, a couple weeks later. It wasn't the next day. He was mad at me for a while. <laughs> but Yeah, food thieves, have... I, I have a problem with. Yeah, yeah. Horribly, I know. Um, I have done some heinous things to get back at food thieves, um, but you know, I mean, because I've known people that really couldn't afford their lunch, but you you have to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's sandwich gets stolen. Yeah. And now that they won't be able to eat until tomorrow mm-hmm. at lunch. Yeah. Oh. I know. That is not, that is not right. That is not right. And especially the guy, most guys that do it that are thieves. And that's the thing. Like, there's people that just steal lunches. But they don't need to. Like, they've always got a good lunch. They're doing it just, I don't know why. I don't know why they do it. Maybe it's some weird sick thing where they want to feel like they can dictate living conditions or survival conditions to another human being but yeah my dad had a guy would do the same thing always steal lunch always 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 and so then they made a batch of cookies with x-lax didn't didn't figure it out didn't get it so stealing cookies stealing cookies and then he had a trip going back home to like nova scotia wherever he's from and they waited until the day before made him these cookies and then we got back said so how was uh how's your trip he goes it was awful I went from one end of this country to another in a bathroom. <laughs> and he said, well, do you like the X-Lax and the cookies? And like, what do you mean? He's like, we put X-Lax in your cookies because you keep stealing our food. You need to stop stealing our food or it's going to get worse. You know, it's just ridiculous. Oh, speaking of planes, have you heard the latest and greatest? We're going to, you want to jump political real quick here? No, go ahead. Uh, you hear about what Trudeau's doing with India? You may not have. I've heard that um, Trudeau Canada is wanting to hold them accountable for some sort of assassination. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyways, made the claims. Well, uh, so he was just in India like a a week ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. And every time he goes there, it's awkward. Like he's just an awkward idiot. And, um, he gets there, and they had him a at the one of the best hotels in New Delhi. They got him the presidential suite. This is a five star hotel, and he said, "No, I'm going to book my own hotel. Thank you." And I'm like, oh, weird. And then his plane, his airplane, the the one that flies the prime minister around, broke down, and he was stuck there for. I think he had to stay for like two or three extra days. The Indian government says, "Listen, we'll give you. I think they call it Air India One or something." It is the airplane that flies their president, their vice president, and their prime minister. It is the best plane that they have. They said, we'll fly you back to Canada in this, you know, just we're, we're being gracious. 
no, I'm just going to stay. Just be acting like a tool, right? And some people are wondering, like, is that because he knows he's going to start getting? Anyways, he made this accusation. And um, and then he asked a bunch of, like, allies to, to support him on it. And everyone said, do you have any proof? Do you have any evidence whatsoever? And he's like, well, we're working on it. He said, then why on earth would you? And so everybody said no. And they basically, and, and you wouldn't know all this stuff if you didn't, if you weren't a Canadian, because, you know, we watch our government news. Now, because of this, and he's he was trying to get all these other countries to back him and, and kind of take a hard stand on India. And now India said, how's this? So, and then, no, oh, Canada, one of our, what are the people that work, they represent the government in another country? What's that? That escapes me. Ambassadors? Yeah. Trudeau kicked one of the Indian ambassadors, kicked him out of the country. And so, of course, India kicked some of the Canadian ambassadors out of the country. And now India will not give Canadian visas or visiting visa, anything. Basically, Canadians are not allowed to travel to India right now. And this happened yesterday, I think. And then, of course, as a rebuttal, as, as would always happen between countries, chances are Canada is going to say, okay, India, you're not allowed to, Indians aren't allowed to come to Canada now. And people are wondering, like, okay, there is a huge Indian community in Canada. Like, a lot. They said pre-pandemic is 300,000 people got Indian work visas, like, like Canadians going to India. And now they're not issuing any of them. But why? Like, what's this idiot doing, you know? <clears throat> and, um... Oh man, it's it's weird. Like the people are wondering, like what what is he doing? Like is he trying to start a war? And so there's a lot of uh, who who's the guy that they they assassinated, they killed. I don't know some Sikh. I don't know. Sikh? Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, um, but he was a gangster. Like he was a member of a gang. Well, of course, then Trudeau's on his side. Yeah, if he's a organized crime figure. And we, uh, and I forget which country it is, but in that country, there's they'll have, uh, they've got signs. It's like assassination needed or rewards for assassination. And they'll have pictures of certain Indian leaders, right? And it's just unbelievable. And even the head of the NDP party, Ramit Singh or whatever like that, that guy is horrible. Like he's on, he's not allowed to enter the US. And he, he has been cited, he's been seen with this group of um, gangsters that are fighting and, and they're, it's just, I, I don't understand all the culture about it, but it's like the, the Sikhs hate certain Indians that aren't Sikh or I don't know. And it's, it's so dumb. And like, there's just a huge increase in uh, like gang violence for like Sikh and Indian gangs and homicides. It's just, it's crazy, man. It's so crazy. But the good thing is, is that because we have a huge Indian population with what Trudeau's doing right now, and ah, like if there's clear evidence if the guy was caught and said, hey, then yeah, you maybe, I, I don't even think that's the role of any leader to, you're there for running the affairs, right? Like, why are you there to comment on crime? If it was a war against your country, sure. But okay, there was a murder. Does he comment on every murder that happens in this country? No. So shut up. You know, well, I heard 
that a member of the premier staff leaked. It's tried to been covered up, you know, through those people and trying to pull it back and cover it up. But I heard somebody leaked that the reason this is all happening in reality isn't somebody's death. It was because, you know, Trudeau gets 50 or 60 phone calls every week because um, they are trying to reach him about his car's extended warranty. <laughs> and now we're canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. It's so, it's so, I don't know, it's so stupid. You know, and here's my take on it. I'm not Canadian, but let's say, for instance, I was, and I had all the same life experiences. I would be like, what, India is fighting with Trudeau? Yeah. Um, let's just hope for a double knockout here. You know, yeah. there's no good guy in this fight. Yeah. And not in my opinion. I, like, I've got nothing against India. Oh, I do. Do you? I haven't looked into it. Like, I'd... I've been there. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a terrible place to live, I know. But I, I don't no, know. No, no. They're just... I know... Two, I met a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. Hundreds and hundreds. I know two good ones. I mean, that are genuinely good people. Hmm. I am certain there are millions more. Mm -hmm. Todd hasn't met them. Hmm. But the ones I have met that aren't the two good ones, it's just been like, it's a culture of horrible people. Hmm. That's weird because that's the exact opposite of my experience. It's also the, I think for the same reasons, but a different, with one key difference, with the differences I have, or the similarities between the Indians I've met, a lot of the Asians I've met, and a lot of the Arabs I've met. Hmm. That they've, you know, if you're not one of them, if you're not in their religion, you know, you suck, you're a lower life form, we don't have to be nice to you. Mm. And that is part of their culture. Like, um, so one of the lead pastors at our church, Ashwin, he's from India. And even though they say, like he said, even though they say that the sect, like set up, uh, set up isn't real, he said it is. So his family that he was born into was one of the families that worked in the Hindu temples. And so he was one sect right below royalty. And so basically he said, I had it really good. Like in our community, we were like the most noble family. We were treated accordingly. Um, like he had free education, good university. As soon as he became a Christian, lost all that. And he said, they treated me like absolute garbage. I lost a lot of the rights and benefits that he had from you know, from the government and, and his social status just completely went away. So I get that. I, I think maybe that's, that's been part of their culture since their culture, you know, started. It's like, yes, there's some people are better than others and that's just how it is. And if you're born into this family, yes, this is your social status and you will remain at this level. People below you are below you. You're, you know, they're not as good as you and the people above you, you're not as good as them. And so they, I think that's something that's just hard to, it's not like they can just move here and be like, oh yeah, everyone's treated equally here. We're not all equal because we're not, but we're, we're supposed to be treated equally. You know, if 
I work for 10 hours, I get paid for 10 hours. If you work for 10 hours, you get paid for 10 hours. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how tall you are or how short you are. If you're a boy or girl, we have the same jobs and boom, we all get treated equally. Whereas their culture for hundreds of years has not been so. It's weird. But yeah, no, I know, I don't know. People that, would, that I see on the regular who I know, you know, call them good acquaintances, probably like five or ten families that are Indian. And they, I really like them. They're very, very nice people. All the the two that I really, you know, enjoy being around, you know, I still stay in contact with. Um, one, not so much anymore because she's a female. Mm-hmm. She's older, but she's a female. And she is, you know, my wife enjoys her company. Um, and I liked her because she was brilliant, right? Mm. Just absolutely brilliant, but not arrogant. Yeah. If you disagreed, she was an amazing, um, not debater, but she would discuss it with you. Yeah. She'd listen to your points. If she was wrong, she'd be like, whoa, I was wrong. Thanks. If you, if you were wrong, you'd be like, oh, thanks. You know, mm-hmm. I was wrong. And that's what I like in life. Yeah. I like to be able to learn and debate, not really debate, because I, well, one, I hate the word debate, but because it's so inexplicably intertwined with liars. I mean, politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, discussions, healthy, intelligent discussions. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like lively debate, you know, none of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, here's what I believe. Here are my facts. What do you believe? Mm-hmm. You know, and, because what you learn through that isn't necessarily that there's one right answer. It's that you both have the same answer. You arrived at it through different means. Mm-hmm. Or there's more than one right way of doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, the first time her and I met and discussed something, we were on a working group, which I absolutely despise. But when you have an employer and they say, you're on a working group. Guess what? You have two choices, quit or you're on the working group. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about a process between um, competing divisions within a federal agency. And she worked in one, I worked in the other. We were both alleged uh, subject matter experts. We got together. And when her and I started talking, and we weren't in charge of this thing by any means, um, but when her and I started talking, everybody else in the room shut up hmm. for some reason. And because we're like, we didn't start at the beginning and go, well, the bosses want us to blah, 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 you know, trying to throw blame off of, you know, it's not your fault. I'm here. It's not. Screw all that preliminary, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. We all know why we're here. Yeah. We're all in semi-intelligent people at minimum because we're at this level in the government, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and we had talked like while we were getting the, the, the fresh fruit off the food bar, right? Before it all began. And, uh, so we, we started talking and we're like, here's why we're here. Here's why our division is doing what they're doing. She said, well, this is what our division doing what we're doing. And we're like, Oh, well, then why don't we just both do this? And then we're in a 100% cooperative effort. We're still getting the right thing done, the same thing done, and we're not 
we don't appear to the bosses to be a competing interest, right? Mm-hmm. We weren't to begin with, but it appeared that way. They thought they were spending the same money twice. They weren't, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but so let's change the process and let's do this, blah, blah, blah. And what could have been, and what was scheduled to be three or four days of a working group turned out to be about 37 minutes. Huh? That's crazy. And from then on, we were like fast, you know, work friends. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Eventually, yeah. um, I moved to a new agency um, about a month later, she came over and we were in the same office working together. And I mean, we didn't plan it that way, but it worked out well. And that hmm. new agency was uh, benefited greatly hmm. from that cooperation. That's cool. Now, it, she doesn't work there anymore. She's retired. I'm retired. And that agency has gone to crap, but hmm. you know, not our fault. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were just fi- trying to fix one little piece, right? Yeah. Um, and one thing that government agencies hate, the people who work in government agencies, they're only there for one thing. Uh, they want that next promotion. They want to fiefdom. They want whatever. Mm. Um, and the mission of the agencies gets lost a long time ago. They don't care. It's how can I keep a good name? How can I build my rep? How can I build my fiefdom? Uh, and we were both... 150,000% against that. Mm, yeah. You know, we're here to be stewards of the public money. Mm-hmm. How can we best do that using the least amount possible? Uh, oh, we were not popular. Hmm. And, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. That's not what politicians do. Crazy. But if you want to continue to make people angry and stay political, so how about that? Uh, UAW strike. I haven't heard about this. The United Auto Workers. Oh, really? Yeah. When did that start? Oh, it's been going on for a long, a while. Huh. And uh, one of the biggest complaints for the General Motors portion of this is the CEO of General Motors makes $29 million a year. We want our fair share. <laughs> okay. Um, why? Yeah. Do you offer, as someone that works on an assembly line, putting on one 15-millimeter nut a thousand times a day, can you do the same thing to promote General Motors in the eyes of the stockholders and the buying public the same way the CEO does? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for an answer. You know, no, you can't, stupid. Mm-hmm. Your fair share is what they give you at the end of every two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's your fair share. And even if you don't buy that, she makes $29 million a year. If General Motors said, okay, we will not pay her in fiscal year 2024, and we will take her $29 million, and we will divide it up between General Motors employees affected by the UAW strike, guess what? You each get a little, right around $100 bonus a year. Yeah. So between the f- taxes and the union dues, you're going to get about 11 cents. Yeah. So shut up. Yeah. Um, the average General Motors vehicle in 2023 cost $50,000. Hmm. The average. Yeah. Cost $50,000. Only 8%, or is it 4%? 
um, I think eight grand. So four percent is profit mm-hmm. for, the, for General Motors. It's very low profit margin per vehicle. That's why they have to sell so many a year. Mm-hmm. And that's why you can't and really. And one haggle. of the reasons it's so high is union labor. Yeah. Now, do I believe at one point in our history there was a need for unions? Maybe, maybe not. There was a problem that needed to get corrected. But now, like everything else that we do to fix something, it's taken on a life of itself, and it has become the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you raise a dragon to fight a dragon, and now the dragon's the dragon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I am so anti-handout union bullcrap. It's not even funny. Yeah. Now, at the same time, <clears throat> I'm just as passionately opposed to um, anybody who owns a business who takes advantage of workers unfairly. Mm-hmm. Because here's here's the deal, people. Capitalism. You own a business. You're there to make a profit for you and your family, and your legacy. That's the point. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be something involved that somebody can say you're taking advantage of consumers or your product suppliers or your employees. It's all a you know a little shell game. So you get as much profit as you can. Your consumers get you know as big a... Uh, bang for their buck as they think they're getting so that they remain repeat loyal customer and you have to make your employees happy enough to stay loyal employees, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. You know, you don't want to force them to be at work. You don't want to chain them to desk and you don't want to have child labor, Apple (coughs) Um, (laughs) or anybody in China. Yeah. Um, You don't want to have child labor. You don't want to force people to be there. So it's all a balancing act. Mm -hmm. And if you don't own the company, it's not your profit. Yep. Period. Um, but anyway, I'm yeah. also a big fan of scaling back public corporations. Yeah. I I understand why they started like stock and stock market and making companies public. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But do we need that now? Yeah. In 2023? I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, it's hard. It's weird. And then you get like, man. We've made it so complicated that there's no one answer anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is also cyclical. Like you look at people. Go oh, away. yeah. They also want a 32-hour work week. Yeah. Um, you go back in history. King Solomon was was wealth beyond what he, he could ever imagine, right? And Genghis Khan. There's been times throughout history where people just get filthy rich and incredibly powerful. And now, you know, people hate on like Bezos and Elon Musk. And it's like, this is what happens. Like, this isn't anything new. You know, he, they found more success than anybody else has. They, they had a better idea they, or they implemented it at the right time or they worked hard or whatever it is. He's made more money than anybody else. And it's from an attitude of ungratefulness that those ideas come oh well, i want this too it's okay well why don't you instead of looking up like looking at, at those who have more than you look at those who have less and be grateful you know there's kids in india that sleep in the slums and they, they pick through garbage to find their next meal 
I'm pretty you, sure there's kids in Canada and America that do oh, that too. Oh, for sure. It's like you literally get to go to a job. And if it's really cold outside, I'm pretty sure they probably turn the heat on in that job. So you're not outside. And I'm well, pretty... They have to. Yeah. You know, OSHA, the unions, all that. I know. You know? And so any, anytime people are, eh, it must be nice. It's like, you know, you are being ungrateful. You are being completely ungrateful. Your attitude is looking, you're focusing on what you don't have. Uh, you're focusing on, and it's not even, I was going to say, you're focusing on the bad things in your life. The fact that your boss makes more than you is not the bad thing in your life, you moron. Like people are so entitled in this. It's this attitude of selfishness and me, me, me. I want to serve myself. And it's just, it, it's, it gets gross after a while, you know? Well, what I hope for every one of those people that honestly believe they want their fair share of the boss's money, I hope every one of them lose their job, they start their own business, it becomes wildly successful, and then they are forced to pay every employee the same thing they pay themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I swear to God, you know? Yeah. Life's not fair, and then you die. And, you know, if you can get used to that, my dad always told me that growing up. I'd be like, oh, but dad, that's not fair. My dad be like, you know what? Life's not fair, and then you die. And, and that now, was kind of harsh, but it, it's true. Throughout the entire life, nothing is fair. Nothing is fair. I will throw something out there that people won't acknowledge, people won't think about, and people do not think about. You can, the people complain about Elon. They complain about Bezos. They complain about this guy, that guy, the other guy, right? This female that's the CEO of uh, General Motors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they complain about uh, Bill Gates. They complain about this. You know who they don't complain about? Who? Kanye West, Jay-Z. Yeah, that's true, um, yeah. Oprah Winfrey. Professional athletes. Michelle Obama's family. Um, all, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it, was just, it was a book I really like, Business Secrets from the Bible. And he actually says that very thing. He said, you know what? People have a problem with businessmen who are successful. But no one has a problem with the movie stars. You know, and those those guys make obscene amounts of money. What's more is that just from a purely humanitarian standpoint, the business owner does more for humankind because he's providing jobs. He's providing money. He's allowing people to live life. Whereas a movie star provides entertainment. And I'm not saying there's zero value in that. I think it's also very important. But as far as who does more good for society, you even say, okay, an extreme example, who has done more for society, uh, Bill Gates or Mother Teresa? You can, there's no argument there. Bill Gates has done way more than Mother Teresa could have ever hoped to do. Now, Mother Teresa did good things, but she, for, for what she did, and there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying like what she did was wrong in any way, but she affected a certain number of people. Bill Gates has affected that so many more and he did it by creating a product that people saw and said yeah you know I would like that that will make my life better it will allow me to do this quicker and I want that that has value to me 
And that's just a blessing in itself. If you own a company, you make a product that people want, you're doing good for society by being in that business. And then he was successful. And that's where his his reach and his good to humanity starts to really explode. Now he has to hire people. Now he has to pay people money, which does good for them. Hey, I've got a job now. Look at this. I can work for this company and earn a living. That is doing good. And then... Boom, now he's got thousands of people that he employs. He's doing good for thousands of families. Thousands of families eat every night because they work for him. And then beyond that, wild, wild, wild success. What, what do they have to give away, isn't it? It's like 1.7 million a day or a week. I think it's a day. It's like $1.7 million per day they have to give away. Well, not have, but like for tax purposes and, and like he has teams of like 50 people that do the research and say, okay, what are we going to do? Like, where does this money go? Because it's important, like what you do with the money. You, know, you can't just say, oh, here you go. But, um, you know, you say, who, who did better for mankind, Mother Teresa or Bill Gates? And most people go, oh, Mother Teresa, of course. I was like, well, no, no. I, I mean, she did stuff out of the loving and kindness of her heart. And I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about your life here on earth. Bill Gates has done more for, <laughs> it's not even, it's not even comparable, the difference between them, right? And that's what business is. And it's, business is good. It is real good. You create a product that people want, you sell it. Now you provide a living for yourself. And if you do it properly, you can allow other people to come and work with you and provide a living for themselves. You know, people don't get that. But, well, <clears throat> um, Funny, you bring up Mother Teresa. Uh, when she was helping people, the poor, she would, you know, somebody would get sick, she'd like pray.